0: Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy scripture lesson comes to us from Psalm 130. If you have your own Bible, I invite you to turn with me. You can also read the words up on the screen. I'm going to struggle to turn to mine, and I found it. Uh, Psalm 130. Hear now these words. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. And our second scripture lesson comes to us from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and then chapter 5, verse 5. Once again, I want to give you a moment if you want to turn in your own Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, and then chapter 5, verse 5. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, and yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in this time of need. So Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks be to God, indeed. Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. I'm Pastor Corey, and as always, it is a joy to be together today. I'm really excited that we are continuing this sermon series on our baptismal liturgy. And as we've mentioned before, baptism is one of two sacraments recognized by the United Methodist Church, the other being communion. And sacraments are tangible symbols of an inward transformation. That is a very wordy definition. They're essentially an outward or an external sign of an inward grace we experience. An external sign of a grace we experience inside. And I think it can be really hard to adequately package or condense a spiritual experience like these sacraments into a single physical moment. It's like, you know those... uh, what are they called, the pop cans where you open the top and they spring out and then you have to try to get them back in? That's kind of how I feel like when we try to do a sacrament, it's, it's so much more than, than we can see. And we kind of understand that with communion because Jesus instructs us when we celebrate communion, we're supposed to do it every single time we break bread. So we get to do it over and over and over again. And each time we get to experience that grace again, we get to experience it more deeply But baptism is a little different, because we believe in one baptism, and a lot of us, as Pastor Adam has mentioned, were baptized as infants, and so we don't even have that actual memory to draw from of that sacramental moment in our lives. I was two weeks old when I was baptized, and because of the distance of time and the distance that simply living in our world creates I think we can often become detached from the significance of our baptism. We can become detached from its power. And so that is why I'm just so grateful that we've been exploring the baptismal liturgy and the questions that it poses. And we've been practicing this rhythm each week of coming forward and touching the water, remembering our baptism, remembering the moment that we were welcomed, adopted, claimed formally, as God's beloved children, experiencing that internal grace in an external moment, remembering that our identity is affirmed as a member of God's family, the church. Because when we become detached from our baptism and we can forget our baptism, we forget who we are and whose we are, and we can begin to forget that identity And then we don't know who we are, and we can't live out of an unknown foundation. And so we try to find a foundation to live out of. And we can get lost and confused because any identity apart from who we are in Christ doesn't encompass who we really are. All the other identities, they have expectations and requirements and judgments associated with them. When folks ask you to identify yourself or to give an introduction, most of us have an elevator pitch. You know, for me, I'm a pastor, I'm a mom, I'm partner to Tiagin, I'm one of 10 kids, I'm a millennial, stop judging me, I'm an American, I'm a type 3 on the Enneagram, if that is a helpful context to you, I'm a Duke alum, again, stop judging me. (laughs) But all of those things are part of what makes up this worldly identity we have. And all those things have expectations and requirements and judgments, and as painful as it may be to acknowledge, none of them are guaranteed. They're ever changing. For example, God willing, one day I will retire and then I won't be a pastor anymore. I'll be a retired pastor, I'll be a, used to be a pastor, and that can be a really disorienting thought when that definition, that occupation, that identity has become so inseparable from who we are, who we think we are, that it's been the foundation of our life. Then we can begin to lose ourselves and wonder like, if I'm not that, then what is my purpose? What, who am I? That is why this sermon series is so important. It's it's so important to me, and I hope it's been important to you because it's so necessary that we know that our purpose, our promise, our identity isn't found in the labels placed upon us by the world. Not our job or our political affiliation, our nationality, our familiar status, our socioeconomic status, our marital status, our age, our ability, our geographic location, our college basketball team, none of it. That is not who we are. And let me tell you that it drives the world mad. Because the evil powers of this world, the spiritual forces of wickedness that Pastor Adam reflected upon in the last few weeks, those powers and forces desperately want us to believe that we are only what we do, or what we have, or what we know, or what we feel, or who we're with. This world, all they want is for us to believe that we are what we do, what we have, what we know, what we feel, or who we're with. And so baptism is an act of rebellion in a world that is screaming at us to believe the lie that we are anything other than what has been declared at our baptism. Beloved, 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 as we are. The world screams so loud That sometimes it drowns out the voice of the Holy Spirit and we begin to believe that we are what this world has decided. And that's why, again, remembering our baptism and bearing witness to others' baptisms is so essential to our communal life together. Because every time we tell someone that they're a child of God, we're reminded that we are too. Every time we rebel against the powers of this world by speaking into someone's life in baptism, every time we are defying the evil powers and proclaiming that there is a truth far greater than any lie we have been told, that we are not who this world demands we be. We're beloved. We're children of God, we're worthy, we have value, we matter because the God of all truth has declared it so. That is defiant. That is protest. That is rebellion in a world that demands we accept what society has given to us. Now, this question that we're focusing on today in our liturgy, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, or races? Now, I timed myself reading that question and it took me 12 seconds. Okay? The response, I do, takes less than one second. And so, This 13-second exchange encompasses a lifelong journey of affirming and reaffirming our baptismal identity. This 13-second exchange that many of us are too nervous standing in front of the whole congregation to even really comprehend in this moment. It reflects the gravity of a never-ending journey of discipleship as we navigate how we are going to live out our faith. So we need this remembrance, we need this slow burn through our liturgy because the stakes are so incredibly high. We are talking about defying the powers that be. That's what our I do after this question does. It rebels, it defies, it stands in protest against the world. It tells the systems that seek to embolden some and oppress others that they never have, they do not and they will not have the final word or the first word over our lives. For we are baptized by water and by the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Now that first word spoken over Jesus at his baptism is the same word spoken over us. You are my beloved child. And the last word spoken by his resurrection, love wins brokenness restored, sin defeated, death erased. That's our identity, our foundation, before we are anything else that the world claims we are. And in Hebrews, Paul encourages us to hold fast to our confession. The confession we cling to that Jesus has condescended himself to be one with us, beside us, in the water next to us, with us in our weakness and in our strength constantly reminding us that despite the evil powers, despite the spiritual forces of wickedness, we belong solely to him. Jesus has saved us from it all and claimed us as his own. And we collectively we cling to that confession and we live out that confession by our trust in what God has done, is doing, and will do. We trust God's promises. We trust God's proclamation because we trust in God's abiding love. And sometimes on our own, without this corporate body, it can be hard to cling to those promises. It can be hard to cling to that proclamation because we are really forgetful people. We're forgetful people. And so each time we come together to declare one among us for the first time as God's beloved— we again are invited to remember that we too are God's children. We confess Jesus Christ, we trust in his grace and we serve to, seek to serve him. That is the foundation of who we understand ourselves to be in this world. That is our foundation of who we understand ourselves to be in this world. Now Pastor Adam mentioned that parents are downstairs in the choir room this morning and we're starting a new book study by the Reverend Tish Warren, entitled Liturgy of the Ordinary. And the first chapter is on baptism. And she talks about how, again, radical and rebellious baptism actually is. And I've mentioned this book before, but it's fitting again today, she writes that Jesus's ministry begins after his baptism. So essentially Jesus doesn't prove or earn his baptism or his identity as beloved. So, before he heals others, before he preaches, before he teaches, before he rebukes, before he redeems us, he's named beloved. He does all his ministry not in order to gain the Father's approval, but out of a rooted certainty in his trust in the Father's love. His very living is his confession of his trust in the Father, his very living is his confession of who he believes God to be. And Reverend Warren goes on to say that in baptism, we are reminded that we are beloved by God, not by our own effort, but because of what Christ has already done on our behalf. We are weak, but he is strong. And that's one reason we do baptize babies. So before they know it, before they can doubt it, before they can confess it, before they can sing it for themselves, we tell them they are beloved by God. And I love looking out into this congregation and seeing the faces of those I've had the gift of witnessing and presiding at the baptisms of. I know y'all have been present at many of those baptisms. And so we have witnessed the thinness of this space when we celebrate a baptism, when we defy the powers and spiritual forces together that so desperately want to have a say in who we are. Each time we confess and we place our trust and we promise to serve Jesus Christ. I was chatting with one of our members this past week, y'all know well, Marcella Twomley, and we were remembering how her daughter Lydia, who is now five, was scheduled to be baptized on November 4th, 2018. It was in Planning Center, that's our worship software. It was in there, we were set, we were ready to go. And you may or may not know this, but Lydia went into the hospital on November 1st, 2018, three days before she was supposed to be baptized. And so we had to delay it. And none of us knew on the first or the fourth what exactly that journey would look like. But after four months in the hospital and many more months in intensive therapy, Lydia was indeed baptized here at Orange on August 11th, 2019. And I share this story with you because it reminds me that nothing that happened in all of those months and nothing that has happened since has or will change the truth of what we proclaimed in that public act of worship in August. It was true the day Lydia was born. It was true the day before she went into the hospital. It was the truth we proclaimed over her each time we visited her in the hospital, and it is the truth I still believe each time I see her beautiful face. You are beloved. That is who you are. You are beloved. That is who we are, and that is who She was declared to be in front of a multitude of witnesses, and we witnessed that together. And it doesn't matter how old or young, it doesn't matter where life has taken you or the unexpected ways life has shaped you. I once had the opportunity to baptize three generations on a single Sunday. I had a woman in her 60s, her daughter in her 30s, and then her son who was one. And as I baptized each one of them, I was reminded Age doesn't matter here. You are each one title, one name, child of God. And in receiving that identity, again, we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior. We put our whole trust in his grace, and we promise to serve him in union with the church which Christ has opened to all people. I'll close with one final story when I went uh, before the board of ordained ministry to become a provisional elder, that's essentially like a resident uh, doctor. You've gone to med school and now they'll let you practice, but you're not officially official. You're not quite, you're not ordained yet. And I was at these interviews and they take all day. And one of the individuals on one of my committee's names was Reverend Mike Mayton. And I knew that name because the pastor that served my family's church when I was born had the last name Mayton. And so during one of my breaks, I called my mom. and said, hey, mom, does Mike Mayton have any relation to Bill Mayton? And she said, yes, Mike is Bill's son. Now, Bill is long retired at this point. Well, Bill was the person who actually baptized me as a baby. And so after a long day of interviews and so much vulnerability, I was so exhausted, I saw Mike in the hall. And something I can only describe as the Holy Spirit prompted me to go up to Mike. And so I did, I said, Mike, you probably do not know this, but your dad baptized me when he was the pastor at Deep Creek United Methodist Church. And I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind telling him that the promises he made over a baby 20 years ago, she remembered them. I remembered my baptism. And on that drive home, it's like three hours, I just had this abiding peace. I'm usually a mess after things like that, but I had this overwhelming calm that no matter how my interviews went, what that committee decided that day, it was okay. Because no credential they could give me could compare to the credential I already had. So if this morning those spiritual forces of wickedness, those evil powers feel like they are defining you. Those identities you chose or maybe you didn't choose seem to speak louder than the one we confess in our liturgy this morning. We are beloved. Jesus is our savior. We can trust that and we can live it out in service to God. If that is speaking to you, I invite you to come forward during our last two songs and to touch the water once again. To remember your baptism. To be reminded who you are. To remember that your acceptance of who you are is rebellious and defiant It is a protest against the world. So let's rebel a little this morning, and let's remember who we are. Let's pray. God, you were there to hear our morning cry. You are there when we are old. You rejoice the day we were baptized to see our lives unfold. May our lives reflect the only identity that matters, that we are your beloved children. May our lives be our confession that we believe in you as our Savior, that we put our whole trust in your grace and we promise to serve you with our whole lives, with the church which you've opened to all people, regardless of who the world says they are. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord,
0: amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.